0: 来 Welcome to MediaPath. I'm Fritz Coleman.
1: And I am Louise Palenker. You know, here
0: at Path, we know you are way too busy in your daily lives to keep your eyes open for unidentified content that may drift into your airspace. Well, we're ever vigilant, and if something shows up on our radar that we can safely retrieve over an unpopulated area, we will bring it to your attention. We've got some great entertainment options for you today, and then we're going to get to some real fun. Our guest I've been looking forward to talking to for such a long time. He's been a friend uh, for many years. He's an actor and a director. You know him from 110 episodes of Three's Company where he played the neighbor and best friend of John Ritter's character. He was Larry Dallas. He's done many other TV shows and most recently was seen on Broadway in Waitress. He's Richard Klein and he directed two of my one-man shows, It's Me, Dad and The Reception. He was the key to their success mainly because he's one of the funniest people on the planet. Richard will be here shortly. Wheezy, before you get into your pick, I want to read some reviews. Mm-hmm. Right. And these were unsolicited reviews. Did you they weren't paid for. Did you write these? Your mom? No, I did not. Your mom. All right, here's one from Packcast called What a Great Podcast. I grew up watching Fritz Coleman on TV. So it's really cool. To know that he has a podcast now, Fritz and Louise are great hosts and they've interviewed some really awesome guests. It's one of my new favorite pods. Thank you Packcast. Now here's one, Metallics. I love the fact that we're resonating with anybody with metal in their name. Mm-hmm. This is called Smart. I love this podcast. It's smart and fun and the guests are fantastic. I really appreciate how much research the guests go into with uh, uh, the uh, hosts going into with each guest. There is great chemistry between the hosts. I look forward to God bless you and everything you stand for please give us a good review on Apple podcasts we take a five-star review Uh, any uh, shameless uh, pandering is fine
1: Right, and we, we'll be happy to give your weird screen name a shout-out. <laughs>
0: um, what do you have, William? So,
1: yes, what I have is I watched and I adored the Dion Warwick documentary, Don't Make Me Over, recommended by our producer, Dina Friedman. The word icon was written to describe luminaries such as Dion Warwick. When my sisters asked me if I enjoyed the movie, I said, Are you kidding? The two things I want most in the world are a pony and a documentary about Dion Warwick. <laughs> As a kid, I took her existence for granted. We had these brilliant Bacharach David songs that are as intricate as they are melodic, and they are sensationally performed by this great lady, Dionne Warwick. They are woven into our childhoods. And I know that white people are told now not to say that race isn't a factor, but when you are a privileged white kid growing up in a white suburban bubble, listening to your favorite music, race is not a factor. It becomes a factor when you better understand people's lived experiences. This film breaks it all down and offers you the lived experience of Dionne Warwick, who is, quite frankly, a badass. She knew what she could do. She took on any obstacle, stepped over it, around it, under it, or through it, and she shined her light. Dionne Warwick is not just a woman who sings her truth. She speaks it and she behaves it. Her groundbreaking work in AIDS activism pulled the word AIDS out of the mouth of President Reagan for the first time and brought us the sensational song, That's What Friends Are For, with all proceeds going to the fight against AIDS. There are many cherishable moments ...in this film, and among them are the story of Dion's hip-hop lyrics intervention, which she convened at her Beverly Hills mansion on an early 90s morning to discuss the misogynistic language in their lyrics. The rappers arrived promptly at 7. She sat them down and dared them to call her a this or a that. They wouldn't do it. She said, someday, you may have wives, you may have daughters, and you will need to explain yourselves to them. Snoop Dogg reports in the film, we took the lessons... And we learned. Dion is now holding court on Twitter. In 2020, she tweeted, Hi, Chance the Rapper. If you are very obviously a rapper, why did you put it in your stage name? I cannot stop thinking about this. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and the world was there for that content with 12.5,000 retweets, 6,000 quote tweets and 148,000 likes, including a response from Chance the Rapper who wrote, Sorry, I'm still freaking out that you know who I am. <laughs> this is amazing. This wow. piece is stud—this this documentary is studded with stars, including Burt Bacharach, Sissy Houston, Quincy Jones, Elton John, Barry Gordy, Smokey Robinson, Gladys Knight, Stevie Wonder, Barry Gibbs, Snoop Dogg, and Bill Clinton. Because why not? You will, you will find Don't Make Me Over on HBO Max and on Amazon Prime. Fritz did you watch this
0: I did I saw yeah. it when it was on CNN and I loved it and you were right she is a badass and had to be for a woman to survive in the racist 50s 60s and 70s when they couldn't stay in the hotels where they performed and it was awesome and what is her relationship to Whitney Houston now she's an aunt or something right? they're
1: cousins oh but they're cousins they're kind of like those generational cousins where you're the age of an auntie but you're still like first cousins
0: and I'm sure that um, this was a very dramatic week for her because of the death of Burt Bacharach because he was the guy that pulled her into clubs to sing their songs really early. So what a talent. Good documentary. Absolutely. All right. I want to talk about women talking. So far, this is only in theaters. The screenplay is written and directed by Sarah Polly. It's from a novel by Miriam Towes. It's based on a true story, and that's the key to really getting behind this thing. Miriam Taus was part of a Mennonite sect in Canada that eventually migrated to Mexico after a series of horrifying events. The novel sets up a fictitious religious cult loosely based on the Mennonites that set up their compound in Bolivia. Women in this sect over a period of years were drugged, and raped by the men in the sect. And the reaction to these stories was very similar to the reaction the young ladies got in the story, The Crucible, if you remember. It was all ghosts, it was demons, it was God's punishment for their sins, it was the wild female imagination, it was anything but the truth. The whole movie is mostly dialogue. And it's a group of women who meet periodically in a barn and plot how they're gonna resolve what happened to them. It remained a dark secret and the men responsible were never held accountable. Their discussions seemed very current and familiar. It's about female empowerment, it's about bringing down a patriarchy. What do you do when men hold all the power? It's dialogue heavy and it seems like a Me Too round table discussion. And the solution they come up with is just to leave. They know the men will never be taken to task. There will never be any real justice. So they just decided it was time to pack up, gather their small children, And Go somewhere to create their own safe living situation chock full of huge acting talent Rooney Mara Claire Foy who was the first Queen Elizabeth in the in the in the crown Francis McDormand and Judith Ivey beautifully written and again It's a true story. I think ladies will be very moved by this thing. It's pretty good
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that coming to the streaming Fritz you like to venture out to the movie theaters, but uh, I may wait for that to stream
0: yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, I mean, you know, we went uh, we went into the theater, and uh, we were one of six people. And you're very empowered. Uh, when you're only six people in the movie. Yeah,
1: theater. you can you can speak to the projectionist. Just like, hey, 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 could you run that back? I just
0: want to watch that scene. Turn up the bass. All right, I, I'm so happy to have Richard here. He's an actor, a TV, film, stage, including Broadway. He played Larry Dallas on Three's Company for 110 episodes. He played Richie on It's a Living. He played Jeff Biznick. In Noah Knows Best, guested on many game shows, most recently played in the touring company of Wicked, and both the touring company and ultimately the Broadway run of Waitress. The least lucrative moment in his career was directing my first two one-man shows. (laughs) The best decision I ever made, the very talented friend Richard Klein. Richie! Richie! Come to us from Jay-Z! Prince Wheezy, you hey. look fantastic, my friend. You look healthy and happy. And- Where's
1: Bev? Can we see Bev? Well,
2: uh, n- sh- um, sh- I don't know where she is. <laughs> All
1: right, so at, just- at the end, <laughs> let, let her make a cameo at the end.
2: No, I, thank you for uh, saying that I look okay. Next year, I have a landmark birthday. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be eighty no Jesus, rich richie you're That's so the youth- end of this podcast you're forever, no no you,
0: you're you look unbelievable youthful. you look so healthy
1: and last week we had paul Dooley. he's 94 so you've got a ways to go wow uh, paul Dooley. yeah
0: did
2: yeah, you
1: ever work with nice. him he's a
0: wonderful guy
2: no he, no i know he's a great guy i'm, I'm a huge fan of his talent mm-hmm. uh, when i when i started doing uh, commercials in new york in the 70s um, I would always see him there. You know, as part of the competition. Yeah, those they are the said, days he, he when owned
0: see... he owned the commercial business in the seventies. Oh, I mean, totally, he, he has totally. a record those of how many.
2: You go up, you go up to like Gray Advertising, one of these advertising companies, and there'd be Paul Dooley, <clears throat> Chevy Chase, uh, Jeff Goldblum. And it was like
0: <laughs> wow,
2: a coin toss, but uh, Wow. Yeah, I, I love it. I love his work.
0: Well, Richie, I, I think about you all the time because they're doing all these TV reboots. They have night court now, which is doing well in the ratings. They had Will and Grace, that I thought was even better written than the first one, which is hard to believe. What about a Three's Company reboot? Anybody talking about it?
2: I, well, you know, people ask me that all the time. Unfortunately, you know, uh, there's been an, an, an attrition of the of the cast members.
0: Oh, that yeah, that matters.
2: Yeah, it sort of does. You know, um, I don't. It was just me and, and Joyce and Priscilla are, are the only uh, people left.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, so, I don't unless you did some hologram stuff. I don't know why you would, <laughs> how you would do that. Yeah, well, uh, uh,
0: I I love the chemistry between you and John. And you and John were friends, and you're both hysterically funny. And I can imagine being on the set was a trip.
2: It was it was a, it was a total joy. It, John set the tone for for what was happening at, at every rehearsal and uh he was outrageous uh, and i sort of you know basked in that outrageousness and we would do dueling jerry lewis's i mean we just you know it was it was just astounding there, camera rehearsal you know usually not usually but practically every uh appearance of mine was bing bong and he opens the door <laughs> are you. so he would he would do shtick in, in the rehearsal so so I go, bing bong he'd open the door and his pants would be under his ankle <laughs> by his ankle stuff like things like that or he'd be eating a banana which wasn't in the script so but we just had the greatest time and the greatest tribute to our show i think uh, is that i would run into former guest stars on the show and they said we had such a great time on your set you guys are so welcoming and you know that's good to hear mm-hmm. that that you know there, there was no, no tension or any kind of ego trips on, on the
0: set. It was great chemistry.
1: Well, legend has it, yeah. you, you, were, you were booked to do a, a guest spot and they loved the chemistry between you and John and they were like, this guy's that, in the show.
0: That's exactly
2: right, Weezy, yeah. Um, I, My first uh, appearance there, uh, we were waiting to go on or whatever for, for another camera shoot and Norman Fell came up to me and said, they love you, you're going to be back. I, <laughs> so that's great. my... That's my Norman Fell. Very good. Uh, Nobody uh, does a Norman Which maybe four <laughs> or five people in the world would understand. <laughs> but uh yeah. So and then they liked what happened between me and John and and uh yeah, I, I got a, a five year contract after that, which was uh turned into seven.
0: And you did the ropers so, too. So how was that? Was that fun working with him? Yeah,
2: oh that was great. That was that was that was great fun. Um, you know, I Norman Fell, Orger Lindley, these these are uh, amazing actors, and and to be able to, because uh, I was my first second year in in Hollywood. I uh, coming from New York from the New York theater, you know, and and to be working with those people was was terrific. You know, you brought up Night Court. Uh, John Larroquette had How a guest that? spot. How about that on on Threes Company? Played a policeman on Threes Company. I I also did. Oh, you you mentioned uh, uh, it's a living. That was that was also a fun uh, set too.
1: Would you like to play some Threes Company trivia?
0: Hot damn. Come on, Richie.
1: Uh, Come on, Uh-oh. Richie. I think you'll you'll do pretty well. How much was the rent uh, on Three's Company?
2: <laughs> I, I, you know, my heritage. I should know that answer. <laughs> um, I, 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 don't know, Weezy. I'm for It was,
1: it was three hundred dollars, and they lived in Santa Monica, so rent control, I guess, works.
2: Wow. Um,
1: okay. Who is the toddler who approaches Joyce DeWitt as she is feeding a goat in the opening credits?
2: Oh, that's uh, that's uh, Jason Ritter.
1: Absolutely, that is Jason Ritter. Who is the brunette who causes John Ritter to fall off his bike?
2: Um, that's my ex-wife.
1: Almost. It thanks, is. Thanks it for is.
2: That. <laughs> Th- Thanks for. Oh, the, oh, the brunette. Oh, I'm the sorry. Brunette.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yes, sorry. No, hold I, on, hold I, on. I didn't mean to confuse you. It's it's Suzanne Summers in a, in, in a wig. In
2: the, in the zoo, in the third year, when, they, when they're at the opening credits, they're at the zoo. Yeah. Brunette walks by and John falls over back into the fence. And that's that was my uh, ex-wife, Sandra. Oh,
1: wow.
2: That's what I thought you were talking about.
1: Okay. Yeah, I guess they could afford additional actors that year because the first year it was Suzanne Summers. Yeah. in a wig. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I haven't it, heard from her. Did you any of you guys get a phone call? Anyway. She,
1: she's okay. What is, um, what is, no, La- what the, is Larry's original? Weezy, I'm yeah. going to answer your okay, question. Okay, Richie, <laughs> go. That,
2: that was walking on mm-hmm. the beach of the Santa Monica with the bicycle. I don't know. Who was it?
1: Suzanne Summers in a wig.
2: Yes, she was wearing a wig. That's right. right. I actually didn't, didn't know that.
1: What is Larry's original last name?
2: Daliopolis.
1: Right. You're doing pretty well. I think, you, I think you've won the game. We can move on. Now,
2: you want to hear the story of Daliopolis? Dalyopolis?
1: Yes, please.
2: Okay. The secretary, the executive secretary to Mickey Ross, who's one of the producers, her name was B. Dallas. She was Greek and her name was shortened to Dallas from Daliopolis. Wow. I'm sorry. Are you okay? I fell asleep during that
1: story. <laughs> no, it's, uh, that is a great story. See, the thing is, uh, Richie, I don't know if we've ever discussed this, but I was a page on the show. So all these names sound familiar to me because I was around all you folks.
2: And you never came up to me and introduced yourself?
1: I mean, I think that I had gotten, when you guys came over, this is my memory of it, when you guys came over to Metro Media Square, I had gotten promoted. I was working on PM Magazine and I would, for lunch, I would come and sit with my friend Pam Ellis, who sat outside John Ritter's door guarding, I'm not sure what. (laughs) And we would chat. (laughs) And then one day, Pam said to me, John has asked you not to be here. Which kind of breaks your heart when you're a 22-year-old page, but okay, oh. you know he didn't want two girls talking. The walls were thin, and he was okay. trying to take a nap or what have you. But yeah, yeah. I yeah. Okay. I remembered you and Don Knotts and and everybody. But you oh. when you're a page, you don't you don't bother people.
0: Okay, all right. How was Don Knotts? Well, we talked to Paul about him because he grew up in a similar area, and they had similar backgrounds and went to West Virginia University. How how was he?
2: Don is from. Uh from Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, yeah, Don and I, see, Don and I bonded because we were the third and fourth or the fourth and fifth banana, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Oh, by the way, do you know, every time a comedian dies in Hollywood, I go up one banana. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) That's an old joke. Um, no, but Don and I bonded because we'd sit on the sidelines and watch John and the girls work out. And, and uh, actually, Don and I went to Vegas for one trip, and uh, the rest is uh, not oh for publication.
1: So he was kind <laughs> of he was a he was after the ladies pretty hard, right? Oh my God! Yeah.
2: Okay, so here I am, Larry Dallas, whatever, being this supposed lounge lizard on the Three's Company. Mm-hmm. And Don and I go to Vegas, and the women were like. Like I'm, they were on Don like a wet blanket at an early funeral. I don't know what the expression is. <laughs> but but they were all over him and I'm going, hello <laughs> they like Barney Fife, I guess I don't know.
0: we had we had his daughter Karen on, and she had wrote a great book about being his daughter. It was awesome, oh yeah, yeah, oh cool
1: now, uh, this is controversial, Richie, but the Uh-oh. the girl, the ladies on the show. Have complained or mentioned that they don't feel that they were treated diplomatically or kindly. Did, were you aware of any of that while it was going on, or did they treat you differently, or did they treat everyone sort
2: of? You're talking about the, the the Joyce Priscilla and Suzanne. Or are you talking yes. about guest Star women?
1: Yeah, no, the cast. Priscilla, I guess especially, has said has used oh, the word ab-
2: abusive. You know, I. I, I, I hate to talk like hearsay or whatever, you know, out of school, but she had a tough time. That's mm-hmm. all I can tell you. Mm-hmm. She had a tough time. She got no- well. She well, she'll tell you this. She got notes from from Mickey Ross before we went up to the rehearsal room, and so she was and she was very nervous because she had to replace, you know, Miss Blondie of the Year. Mm-hmm. You know, Suzanne was on every cover, including Field and Stream. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs>
1: Huh, I she have that frame. He was on
2: Newsweek, Field & Street. Oh, by the way, that movie that you reviewed, um, Women Talking, yes. Fritz, I'm at sixes and sevens because it's either, either I want to see that or Fast and Furious 7.
0: <laughs> mm,
1: that's I a tough yeah. Well, that's the dialogue
0: big, is just as rich. Big Vin Diesel thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen. So, so, go ahead. Priscilla had a tough
2: time. That's all I can tell you. Rizzo. She had a tough time because she... You know, you talk about filling some big shoes. She she you know, she she was very nervous and and, and was getting a whole bunch of notes, which made her even more nervous. So that's that's, I think, what what you're talking about.
1: Right. And it's probably outstanding that this happened before the Internet, because then everybody would be weighing in on her as compared to Suzanne.
0: Oh, you know, oh, Suzanne yeah. was Pam Anderson before Pam Anderson was Pam Anderson. She was like the sex bomb of pop culture back then. Did you guys yes. have any sense that she was going to be this astonishing entrepreneur that would be in tax brackets well above yours, selling the thigh Master and all these things?
2: Oh, uh, no. I mean, that's all pretty much her husband, who was her manager, Alan Hamble. Mm-hmm. And he he you know, guided every single move of her career, mainly financially, and unfortunately they called his bluff when he went in and said, well she we she needs to get two hundred fifty thousand an episode, because that's what Carol O'Connor <laughs> on, uh, our, on uh, *The Family* was getting, and Alan Alda whatever, and, and they just laughed at him and her, and and that's 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 the essence of that oh, wow. horribly publicized breakup, but you know suzanne is an entrepreneur yeah and you know the thigh master and five books on how i was a child of alcoholics or whatever thing and you know botox is my friend which was a staple i you know, I know, I know she god bless her you know she lives out there yeah. in uh, freaking Marina del rey looking at the dolphins she's got a great life no
0: mm-hmm. yeah Listen, you 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 know you went to New York, and uh, pr- probably because theater was your you know start, but then TV work has picked up. There, you do guest shots on Blue Bloods and yeah. the various New York yeah, yeah. shows. Yeah, yeah,
2: I have have. They called me back four or five times on Blue Bloods as a judge. I'm a cranky judge on Blue Bloods. Perfect. And uh, I was uh, <clears throat> on the Americans. I played uh, Martha's father. she was the the, uh, wife of the, the spy, whatever. Was it's a it. good show. And, uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and, and theater, you know, I mean, that's my first love is theater. And, uh, I've had the opportunity the last theater job I did was at the very prestigious Westport Playhouse, um, in Connecticut this, this past summer. And, uh, you know, that that's my love. I, 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 I think it's a great move to move back here. First of all, my family's here, you know, um, absolutely. So that's that's really
0: important.
2: So, so you you
0: you, you you started in theater. I I mean your mm-hmm. I think your Broadway debut was City of Angels in 1989. Right? Something like that? Am I 1991. right? 1991. 1991. Well, While you were yeah. you were doing the table reads in 1989. No, I I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but 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 here's what I want to say. You're so funny and you're so entertaining in front of an audience. I'm sure that a Broadway experience is probably uh, your your makes your blood course through your system better than doing the often tedious work of television work.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Being on a Broadway stage, uh, it was it's one of my life you know my lifetime goals, and uh, I did it. I did it actually three times. I, I did a play. Uh, i understudied nathan lane on broadway in a play written by david mamet called november and yeah and i went on and i expected to be a mass exodus exodus from the theater because you know nathan is a freaking icon legend Mm -hmm. broadway legend and uh Actually, some people stayed. I think there were like two or three rows that actually
1: stayed. I <laughs> enjoyed it. Yeah,
0: I don't think so. No,
2: but it, there's nothing like it. There's really no, there's there's really nothing like it. And and I'm blessed uh, to have been able to have that experience. I really am.
0: Well,
1: I'd like to interview the two of you for for a moment. How did yeah. you? I probably know knew the answer to this at one point, but how did you find each other to work together? Was it part of your acting teaching that that you wound no. up? Okay,
2: we we have to think like uh, Jerry's Deli on Ventura Boulevard. Uh, yeah. That's because true. I went there and uh, I, I don't know if Fritz approached me or I, I probably went to, to Fritz and said, is there a Costa happening? Because I, I need a place to play some golf."
0: You came up to me and handed no, me a check and walked out. That's what the
2: thing. Was. <laughs> <laughs> but I know we got to talking and Fritz said, well, I'm doing this play at the Actors Forum Theater in North Hollywood. Why don't you come and see it? So I saw it and, uh, I was horrified no yeah. i saw it and i said the next time after after the show i said you know do you because you, you didn't have a director right Fritz? right exactly
0: yeah exactly well, i sorely needed one i didn't mean you know. i
2: didn't mean to wake you up no but <laughs> um, uh so then we started talking and i said you know let me give it a shot and and we staged it and came to life beautifully and hilarious piece it's me dad um,
0: you came yeah. up to me And what sold me on having you as a director I thought being you know, the narcissistic stand-up That I didn't need direction about anything But what Richard <laughs> taught me was That when you do a theater piece They expect theater conventions They expect you to walk around They expect you to have furniture They expect you to interact and he taught me so much but uh, when he you came up to me i think you had seen the play before that and you came up to me at jerry's deli and said might i suggest a couple of things and every single thing he said to me was spot on and then we Uh arranged it and i learned so much from you and i was Uh very easy for me to trust you because you're one of the funniest people i know and i trusted your comedic instincts and it was uh, an amazing experience, Rich. You know that it was a great, it was a great, it was a great experience. Yeah. So he didn't say and things so like, I, th-
1: "I think we should use the understudy."
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: No. And then the reception. <laughs> Maybe you started thinking more ambitiously because you had Richie. Because the reception is is much more of a high a, a, a high concept piece. Mm-hmm. But so go ahead and describe that. Well,
0: the reception was a, 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 a story that was the, the show I did after "It's Me, Dad." I did "It's Me, Dad." We did it at the Actors Forum where Richie picked it up and then we moved it to the Victory Theater on Victory Boulevard in L.A. And then we, and then um, Public Television bought it and they did their own production right. of it. And they, right. air, they aired it on Father's Day, every Father's Day for seven years in a row. And wow. uh, after, uh, while that was happening, I was writing this other one called The Reception, which was me narrating my way through an imaginary wedding reception. I had 500 high-definition photographs that would change in back of me, and uh, and it, we, we we hired actors to play these parts. The only it, it was a movie, but was still photographs. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, and it yeah. sorely needed a director, and Richie came on and directed that one. And we had some pretty good success with that. I traveled all over Southern yeah. California. Yeah,
1: and in the booth, and you were a producer of that. You know, show. I was a producer in the booth with Bev, his wife, Richie's wife, night in and night out. I did sound, and she did lights, and we were a power team. I know it. Yeah,
0: Is there, you had a big yes. reputation in town.
2: That's right. And, so, and, you know, one of the reasons uh, that I felt comfortable directing you in a one man show is because I had done a one man show for for quite a while, off and on, called Bojcik. Yes. And written by Richard and Richard I didn't write it. A, a writer named Richard Krevelin. And it went to New York. We did it off Broadway. We did it, in, of course, in L.A. That's where it started. Um, and various venues, including Canada. Um, and I have a story, do we have time? I have a we story have about- We have lots of time. Boy- yeah,
1: it's a whole podcast, okay. yeah.
2: Okay, so so Richard Crevelin had a, he, he's from Yale, and he had a, a roommate from Yale who was, lived in Oklahoma, in Enid, Oklahoma. And so they booked us into this church in Enid, Oklahoma to do boychette, which is uh, about an Orthodox Jew and his son, whatever. You know, the all right odds with loggerheads. So we go into the church at five o'clock for a seven o'clock show for a lights or whatever. Oh. And behind the pulpit is the largest carved crucifix that you have ever seen. Okay. It's just ah! <laughs> made out of maple or oak or whatever. It's just the most gorgeous thing in the world. And here's this this play, boy about a guy talking about my father, you know, we went to synagogue. Thing. <laughs> 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 I said I said to the pastor or whatever the you know, alderman, whatever you call it, I said to I said, can we put some sort of curtain there? Because this is really
0: kind of a <laughs> can we put like a beam up very, and a Torah, very
2: kind of Jewish. Thing.
0: And all the, hey. the the Oklahomans are yelling, "You killed that man!"
2: Hold on a sec. Here we go. Uh oh.
0: He says, "That's okay. We can take
2: it down." Three workmen appear oh my and God. start lugging, throwing Jesus out oh, into oh. the into the rec room. And I said, I'm going to be lynched. <laughs> 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 I don't have a prayer. Pardon the pun. Oh, my it God. Was, it was the most amazing visual you have ever seen. It's just this. And I swear to God, the thing was eight feet and must have weighed like 400 pounds. And okay. How did Like play
0: in Oklahoma?
2: They loved it. We had we had a and a after they they loved it. Uh, one person raised their hand and said, what does Meshuggana mean? <laughs> It was fabulous. It's a good question. It was just
1: fabulous. It's a crazy question.
2: And I, I answered. It's a, it's a pastry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, I good. want to talk about being on the road. That's a small example of it. But you, you were on the road with Wicked for how long?
2: Uh, Thirteen months.
0: So how how does that work? You you do a week in a city, two weeks in a city, and you move on. And no,
2: no, Wicked was so popular that we we had like uh, sometimes. I think in Denver, we had a six-week sit-down. Wow. Uh, but usually it was two to three weeks. And, you know, they put you up in a hotel or whatever. Or you can get your own uh, housing. I prefer a hotel. I didn't want to do an Airbnb at the time, whatever. Um, yeah, and, you know, they, they provide everything. It's your airline tickets and
0: whatever. And, so what are your you days know, like w- w- when you're on the road? You know, you're um, beyond rehearsal.
2: A lot of gyms and a lot of reading. Uh, But also seeing the sites. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was in, uh, once again, here we are in Oklahoma. It's Oklahoma City. I went to the Woody Guthrie Museum.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. Which
2: was spectacular. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And yeah, I go to museums. Houston Houston has one of the greatest museums. Atlanta has a a museum called the High Museum, which is astounding. Um, Yeah, that's what I did. You
1: know, do you guys have groupies that come to more than one performance or that you get? Oh, to... got it. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh, Wicked is like we had little girls dressed up as Glinda. Mm-hmm. We had, there was a group of middle aged women in, in black dresses with black <laughs> Wicked Witch of the West hats. Yeah, it's it's a it was a phenomenon and sold out. Mm-hmm.
0: And they know I all mean, they know all the lyrics. Theater. Exactly.
2: There's a theater in uh, what was Atlanta? that's that that seats 3600 people and they are sold out every night wow and and believe me it's it's that is fun to play to when you get packed mm-hmm. houses like that
1: and what are what are some specific challenges to your to your role because they wicked has kind of like taken the wizard of oz and tipped it upside down so that yeah. you you understand that people no one's <laughs> all good and well, no one's all evil well um
2: it's it's one of the easiest jobs you could have uh he only he only has two songs he has like maybe three entrances I don't come on in the first act in 47 minutes into the first act so uh it's uh it's not quite stealing but it's um <laughs> it, it was it was a it was a great role but I, I'll tell you the the role I did in waitress uh playing Joe the the owner of the diner uh that actually was my favorite I I love that show. I love what what it said about women's empowerment. And and, uh, we had such a talented group of people. And you did an
0: interesting thing with Waitress. You were on the road with it. Then you came back and finished on Broadway, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, there's a story behind that. The story is that I was supposed to end with the company in Toronto, three weeks in Toronto maybe it was four weeks, it doesn't matter. And Beverly, unfortunately, was uh, was diagnosed. And I had, I said, I went to the producers, and I said, Is there any way that uh, I could switch with uh, the other Joe in New York, Larry uh, Marshall? And they came back to me and said, Yeah, so I was with Beverly for her surgery. And then I was on Broadway for for a month and a half. So that's how that happened.
0: Wow. That was a great story. I love that story. I love the movie. I didn't see the play.
2: You know the story of Adrian? Uh,
0: yes, what a horrible story. Tell that story oh, because it really, it just makes the whole thing more powerful. Terrible,
2: terrible story. It's it's like, it's like the Jonathan Larson syndrome with rent. She never got to see the movie.
0: Oh. Or what the happened?
1: play. What happened?
0: Well, she was murdered. Oh, by I, I, by construction workers or something in her that's house. That's right. Tell the story. That's right. I don't
2: know. I don't know this. It's a terrible story. But, uh, she wrote the play,
0: a, and she she, uh, she was the lead character or something, right? Wasn't she? Yeah, it she was, was about supposed her. to be. Yeah. And then yeah. she was just the, the play. I, tell, tell me if I'm wrong about this analysis here. She was just, uh, the play was going to be produced, and she's in her apartment in New York and had contractors working on her house, and two of the contractors killed her for some reason. And I don't know if it was That's ever right. solved, but it was just horrible. And she never got to see the success of either the play or the, you know. Or the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, crazy. So you get a, go ahead. Screen.
1: You know, it's the it's the music of Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. And how, how much uh, singing and dancing do you get to do?
2: Well, I I have uh, one one number, one big number. Uh, Sarah came to one of the shows that we met backstage. And that was a big thrill for me because oh, she's wow. a mega talent. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but it's basically one one uh, one song, a few scenes. A little bit of comedy. Well, that's... I don't know why they are
1: Yeah, no, I think that's right up your alley.
0: <laughs> you got to work with one of my favorite people, at least as an actor. I don't know how he would be as a director, but David Hyde Pierce. You uh, oh, worked with him, and yeah. it should have been you. To talk about that experience.
2: Yeah, uh, there's another thrill. I mean, you know, I mean, I used to love watching uh, Fraser oh, and, and uh, David. Stuff. Yeah, um, it's a little, little tiny bit of trivia. I directed, uh, the first thing I directed in Los Angeles was called Present Laughter, No Noel Coward uh, play. And I went to one of my friends who's a big casting director in uh, in L.A. and I said, I need this guy to play whatever role in the play. And, and she sent me David Hyde Pierce. And he was at a table reading at, at my house uh, in L.A. and. I don't know. Maybe whatever. Week later, two days later, whatever. He had to drop out because he got Frazier.
0: Oh <laughs> my gosh! Oh yeah, yeah. Did you have a sense at that time that he he had enormous talent? And...
2: Oh yeah, I had seen him. I had seen him in a play uh, at the uh, Doolittle hmm. on Vine. So I had, se- I had I had seen his work on, on live on stage. Yeah, no, he's he's tremendous tremendous talent. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a director he was he was fantastic, too. I mean, you know, he had a common sensibility, he should have been you was basically a sitcom set of music with uh, me and Tyne Daly and a few other wonderful people, Harriet Harris. Um, so yeah, so I mean, he knew his stuff. It was, it was a great experience. You want you, you want to work with somebody who knows how to, you know, deliver a line.
0: That was why I loved working with you uh, in both of my plays because oh, thank you, you you know you you nobody knows better than you do.
1: Well, since you, you are a director and an acting teacher, an acting coach, how does it yes. how does it feel to be directed if you maybe don't agree with the choices that they're suggesting?
2: That's a very good question. I I tend to take off the directing clothes and and and. You know, and and follow whatever they're going to give me. If there's something that's, you know, my instincts say that I, that I can I try something else, you, you know, that that's what I'll do. But I don't I don't find myself directing. I and, and I and quite frankly, I'm kind of embarrassed sometimes when you're in a production, a stage production, and another actor saying, well, you know, why don't I, you know, let the let the let the director do. Have the first shot and then you then you give them your suggestion. Mm -hmm. So I'm not that guy. I'm the guy who says, yeah, whatever you want. I'll, I'll give it a shot.
0: Wow. There was a great documentary about Broadway during the pandemic called Broadway Rising. Did you see it? No, oh, I got to write it down. It's, it's on Netflix. It's <laughs> it, it, it's called Broadway Rising. And it's really interesting because it talks about how the shutdown on Broadway affected the peripheral businesses like caterers and dry cleaners and florists. Oh, God, yes. And it was very touching stories. And what actors did to make money. One guy went to work for a florist and he was so happy doing that job. He never went back to Broadway. You got to watch it. You'll It, it will resonate with oh. you even more than oh, that. Oh,
2: I've definitely got to watch it. You know, Towards the end of 2020, so like around late October, November, I went back and 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 to New York. I live in Jersey, but I went to New York to teach in my my studio. And it was a ghost town. It was just parking everywhere. You could you could get into the city in 22 minutes, which usually takes 42 minutes. It was just, it was very eerie.
1: So you're are you back to teaching? Reg- yeah, regularly I teach, yeah.
2: yeah i teach regularly uh on wednesday wednesday night i have a nice smallish group i only i don't want more than like 12 or 13 people mm-hmm. and uh yeah no i love it it keeps me sharp um, do you have you know, your own storefront your own theater I think do
0: you have your own storefront your own theater your own place your own studio yeah, well no
2: i i rent uh from from a uh place called altered stages and it's uh it's this massive room with a a black velvet curtain in the back and parquet floors and brick exposed brick uh, walls it it looks totally like a new york acting studio
0: (laughs) you ever see the comiskey method
2: it's great it's It's only it's the only thing on the floor there's no other nonsense going on around it so
0: do you watch the comiskey method (laughs) oh i love it i know i I thought of
2: that. that That's my life. The yep. only reason I didn't do that is cuz people, you know, wanted to hire Michael Douglas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how about how about Barry? Do you watch that? I didn't
2: I did not have him watch Barry.
1: Oh, okay. I think you would I saw
2: I saw my, Henry Winkler and I share the same acting mentor. Okay. Mine was at Queens College, his was at Yale. The guy's name is Tom Haas. Ah. And I visited Tom Haas after I got out of the army. I visited Tom Haas, Tom was teaching at Yale, and Tom had directed the Inspector General, and Henry was one of the stars of the Inspector General. I said, Tom, that guy, he's amazing. He said, oh, you haven't seen anything yet. Next thing I know, he's the Fonz. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's anything. You know?
2: Yeah.
0: You, you, you were a lieutenant in the Army, and you went to Vietnam. Yes. Talk about that experience, whatever you can reveal i don't want you to have a flashback or anything but t- tell well, me what your experience was like no i
2: don't want to have a flashback and i did go awol so i don't <laughs> No, no i uh i was very fortunate i was not in combat um it was um, I, mean, I've, I mean i've written about it so there's no big secret but people say, did you kill anybody and i go no actually i booked bands i booked rock bands i provided uh r and r Uh, For the troops, I was a special service officer for three uh, for a division of 30,000 men. And I had a staff of about 12. That's you know, that's what I did.
1: So by the time so by that time that you were drafted or that you went into the armed services, you knew you were a performer.
2: Uh, Yeah, I was drafted out of the American Shakespeare Festival. uh, uh, As you like it, I had a very tiny part as you like it, my first equity job. That's how I got my equity card. But I only lasted two weeks because I was I, I was drafted. And the producers wrote a letter to uh, the powers that be in the Pentagon or whatever. And they said, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. They were taking people. They were taking people with freaking plates in their head. I, I know. Mean, you know, it's like yeah. artificial knees, whatever. And I had all this. Look, I'm a New York actor, whatever, graduate student. I'm not I'm not totally stupid as far as, you know. Uh, gaming the system, but uh, I had people tell me, well, shoot off your toe. Yeah, Shoot off your toe? No. I said, I will never be able to do ballet, so I didn't do that. <laughs> I, and, you know, I talked to my dad and I said, you know, I could go to Canada, I could go to Sweden, and he said, yeah, well, you'll never be able to be an actor because you'll be a felon. So I went in. Wow. Well, thank you for your service. And,
1: and when you go in, you tell them, uh, "I'm. These are my strengths. These are my talents.
0: I'm good at this." I th- no.
2: no, no. I was supposed to be a medic. Okay. Uh, I, don't know how, how, I don't know how I escaped. How and know the
0: lifespan that. for a medic is like four days in Vietnam. <clears throat> four and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. If you're, if you're viewing Vietnamese time, it's four and a half days. <laughs> no, it is. It's very dangerous. I was. Uh, yeah. I looked at my personnel record before uh, when I graduated uh, basic training, and it said suggested uh, MOS, which is military occupational specialty, 95 Bravo. 95 Bravo is medic. So, I raised my hand and say, uh, "Can I go to OCS, which is Officer Candidate School?" Knowing that it would put another year on my tenure okay. instead of two years of three
0: years
2: okay so yeah i went off to, to ocs and was a lieutenant
0: wow so you went to queen's college then you went to northwestern for graduate school you what you, you, you were halfway through graduate school and you got drafted when, when what was the time no period? no no
2: no. I, oh. I graduated i graduated uh with my master's degree went to new york was a waiter for two months and then got um the american shakespeare festival on an open call Wow.
1: Now did you have a draft number? Was it one of the years where they had No,
2: they, no, just before the library.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you came back from Vietnam, what was that adjustment like? What did it feel I
2: kept my mouth shut.
1: You didn't talk about it. So people didn't want to know. No one was No, it was, a, it was It no one was it was a, you know, you it was a service. terrible
2: time. I mean, I was I was on the side of the, of the anti-war people. You, mm-hmm. you know, and and What thrilled me was the Vietnam vets, you know, organizing in the streets against the war. I went, oh, wow. So, you know, I'm not alone. But, uh, no, I didn't talk, especially in the theater. I didn't want anybody to know that I was in the Army. Really?
1: So you just kind of picked up where you left off with your relationships, made some calls, got an agent. Like, how did you? Yeah.
2: Well, um, okay. So uh, I did a show. I got out of the Army in 71. But Yeah, I got out of the Army in 71. In the fall of 71, I, w- I got into Lincoln Center Repertory Company. And the first show I did was uh, Twelfth Night with Blythe Danner, wow. of course, is Gwyneth Paltrow's mommy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think she actually was early pregnant with Gwyneth at the time. Anyway, her her uh, husband, Bruce Paltrow, who was a producer of St. Elsewhere and some other things, he said, I'll introduce you to, uh, to Blythe's agent. So I went in and I auditioned with some monologue, whatever, and they became my agent. They were like one of the most powerful agents in New York City. Oh, wow. Wow. So that's that's how that happened. Yeah. And then I never stopped working. I never stopped doing commercials in New New York as well. I did like uh, 75 commercials in New York, not all national. There was a couple where it was like, you know, Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips.
1: (laughs) So what do you? But learn- I never had
2: a. I never had another job. I, I never never had another support job since. Right. Then.
1: You made a living as an actor. So what do you? What does an actor learn doing commercials that you wouldn't learn if if you didn't go through that process?
2: Doing a commercial. I'm sorry. I mean it's
1: you know you're kind of trying to please the sponsor and sometimes the the material isn't great. You know. So what do you learn oh, to bring to something?
2: It's it's you know it's it's a whole different skill. Do, auditioning for commercials auditioning for voiceovers is another skill Mm -hmm. which uh, i'll be honest with you i've never been able to crack i think i've done two voiceovers in my life and then i gave up um which is not very zen but that's what happened uh commercials uh yeah it's 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 really tough I, i i stopped going up for commercials a long time ago because they were no longer gender specific in other words you go in for to play a judge there's like ladies and guys. To it. it was like the competition was so insane. I went, you know, I don't I don't need this. If they, if they can't make up their mind whether it's a man or woman or, you know, trans or whatever, the, whatever it is. I so I just elbowed that. And I don't miss it. I don't miss going.
1: Free- mm-hmm. Right.
2: But it takes a skill. You know, there's, uh, I, I teach a comedy workshop separately. It's at, at this this casting factory in New York. And they have Casting directions from commercials or teaching the kids how to do that. They have voiceover people, print people, whatever. And so there's each one is a, is a specified skill. Mm-hmm.
0: What's 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 your class like? What do you do scenes to get people get assigned? Scenes? I do. I do.
2: I do. I do. Uh, I do monologues. I do scenes. I do Shakespeare. We've, we've done a lot of Shakespeare recently because I have a, a pretty extensive background doing Shakespeare. Um I actually did two shows at the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C., at Henry V and Love's Labor's Lost. And so uh, I have an affinity for it. And what I love is the kids who've never done Shakespeare, oh, Shakespeare, and I said, trust me, you get over the language, you're, you're, you're golden. And so that's, that's part of it. But I, then I put them on camera, and then I uploaded my computer and I sent to them through WeTransfer with notes. So they find that extremely valuable.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh for the comedy workshop, that's a whole other bag. It's it's all like how do you deliver a punchline? How do you know, how can you be believable? Which is very important, and still get the joke across. So mm-hmm. oh my God, that's me.
1: Yeah, that's you. That's you. Master
0: that's, to my Is it the ghost oh, of Christmas, Christmas past and, or what, what is that?
1: That's wicked.
2: Oh, that's wicked, okay.
1: I mean, yeah.
2: That's
0: there right, it is, right
1: there. Yeah, it's the man behind the curtain. Pay no attention.
0: Oh, there's
2: a class. Yeah,
0: part of it. Yeah. And how do people get information? It's RichardKline.tv. It's
2: RichardKline.tv. Yeah.
1: Now, do you notice yeah, that? I, yeah, go ahead,
0: Richard.
2: I take, uh, I take, I take beginners, uh, which I find a, a wonderful challenge. But I also take people who are, you know, they want to prep for a, an audition or whatever. Um. And uh, so I find it a, a challenge. It do you do one on,
1: one-on-one coaching where yeah. someone will call oh, you and that. say, "Someone calls you and says, Hey, uh, Yeah, I'm
2: doing. I'm doing one. <laughs> I'm doing one tomorrow actually. I'm doing one. Uh, one of my students is going up to 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 play Fanny Bryce on Broadway, <gasps> which should be oh, wow. exciting. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing.
1: Now, do you yeah, notice yeah. that that because everything's available now that, you know, young people will come in one day and take, you know, a class and then the next day come in having watched, you know, binged a few seasons of Three's Company and, and see you in a whole different light?
2: What? Wait, I did? What's the first part of that question?
1: What? Well, that yeah, everything's so available to us, right? So that they may right. see you as their co- their acting coach one day, and the next day they've they've watched a, a few seasons of Three's Company, and they oh. have a different respect for you.
2: Yeah. Well, I have an assistant, and she sort of filters out <clears throat> people with inquiries because she doesn't want fans to show up. You know, oh. just like Ooh, you know, to take selfies. Right.
1: Um, <laughs> oh, does that happen? Uh,
2: so um and sometimes Mm -hmm. yeah it's well it certainly happens in the comedy workshop you know because they'll take anybody in the comedy workshop and that's not in my control that that's a separate entity that's a casting work work, uh workshop called uh actor connection
1: i see
0: do you think i mean there's a company i I can't think of the name of the company that will broadcast opera and plays live in movie theaters there's a company that does that now maybe you know the name of it but do you think you know, you know what I mean. There's Broadway, oh, yeah. H- there's
2: Broadway HD where you can where you can see uh, Broadway plays. Yeah, and that's I what I like
0: wanted that. to know. Is that becoming a viable platform now, where you you can you pay you know whatever it is and get to watch it in your home?
2: Yeah, except except that, you know there's tremendous time lag because I think uh, uh, Broadway HD. There, yeah, there it is. There it is.
0: Yeah. What do you mean time lag? You mean before well, they well, make because
2: it Because you're not going to see plays that were on last year. You're going to see plays from two, three, ten years oh, ago. Oh, right. They, they don't okay. want to suck the you life see, out Kinky of the business. Kinky was like five years. Mm-hmm. Right. Cats was like before Wheezy was born. <laughs> right.
1: But it still gives you access because a lot of Broadway is so precious that, you, you know, like. It's you,
2: great. No, I think it's great.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you can like w- like with Hamilton, for example, you know, you can read everything and listen to everything, but you just don't know what's going on on the stage. And there's bootlegs going around, but you don't want to take part in that. So, you know, exactly. there's this kind of exactly. urgency to get yourself to the theater, but not everybody can do that. So I think this is great that if you just wait yeah. three years, you're going to you get to see it. Sometimes I'll just go to Wikipedia to figure out what the plot is, you know, to something that, that I've heard a lot about, but I don't know what goes on. What's the story? Yeah, like Book of That's Mormon, a you know, or something like that. Absolutely. So I would definitely yeah. sign up for that. Thomas, thank you for showing it to me.
0: Bro- I- Broadway uh, success for actors and for plays is really hard, Rich. It seems like. Um, you know, Broadway's gotten so expensive that they're, you know, they're very cautious about shows that they launch, and they have to be tested out and off-off Broadway and off Broadway and all the way up there. And do you see yeah. that that it, 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 it's not as experimental as it used to be, where the young playwrights, the you know, the Arthur Millers would pop up in there?
2: It's so very rare to see a a, a straight play on, on Broadway as opposed to a musical. I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
2: they just don't do as well. Uh, and you know, I don't have to tell you what the trend has been uh, with regard to musicals. You know, the Neil Neil Diamond show and the mm-hmm. Michael Jackson show,
0: and jukebox jukebox shows. Yep. Yeah.
2: Uh, jukebox musicals. That's what I should. That's a generic term for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, by the way, I saw I saw MJ, the Michael Jackson. It was fantastic. I mean, if you're into nostalgia, there's nothing better. It, to me, the gold standard was uh, Jersey Boys. Oh, oh yeah the yeah.
0: best because they oh. had such a great backstory a great there was a great plot in that it has movie. the
1: mob yeah yes, singing dancing and the mob that <laughs> right. means you can get your husband to come to the, the show with you <laughs> it's got everything <laughs> yeah no that's great i, I carol king too beautiful I, I i i've seen it twice so i'm a big fan and yeah. i like the glorious stefan of course nothing nothing beats mama mia like forever and always for me
2: you know, That's from, another one. I yeah. mean, I love Mom for Me. I yeah. was you know, jumping up and down at the curtain call. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Did you see the Neil Diamond one? Not yet. I'd like to see. Uh, I
1: just them. saw them sing Happy know, Birthday I to I don't him know on if on I'm
2: going to, you know, uh, I actually met Neil a few times Had dinner with him, whatever. And, wow. Uh, it's it's kind of sad, but he's, he's uh, you know, he's suffering from Parkinson's. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I get it. Uh, he's great. Uh, so who but, do you like for Oscar picks this year? Anything you really loved this year that you mm, saw? Good question. You haven't seen I, anything.
2: I, I, I'm still. I haven't still watched on the Waterfront.
1: <laughs> it's supposed to be good.
2: I, 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 I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm way behind. I got a whole bunch of screeners. Um, trying to put this house together. We bought up in Canada, you know. So I haven't. I'm making excuses now, and it's horrible. Because last time I checked, I am still in the industry. And I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, I don't, what did I see? I don't, I haven't seen anything yet. I'm sorry. So you're going, so do you, you tell do, me. You guys are doing reviews. No, what what, should, Richie, should I have I a say? question.
1: Does that mean, are you saying to us that you guys vote even when you haven't watched everything?
2: I don't vote it. I'm not an Academy voter.
1: Oh, okay. I'm just, I'm always curious as to whether or not the Academy voters do all their homework or just vote for something, the one thing that they saw.
0: That's... You're a classically trained musician. You have to see Taz. I mean, uh, uh, what's it called? tar. The, uh, tar. tar. I'm sorry. T a r. Right. Taz is another word. That's that was crazy, role. Fritz. I
1: just oh. saw it. It's crazy. What's it called? T a r. T a r. But there's some kind of something but, but, over the a.
0: Yeah. There, it's it's. Uh, don't look forward for the plot. I, I at the end of that movie, I went. What? Yeah, uh, but the yeah. music and the way they sort of take you behind the scenes in a symphony orchestra and how people audition for parts, and it, and the acting is phenomenal. I'll tell you, Kate, Kate, uh, when uh, Kate uh, Blanchett. Blanchett is. Phenomenal because she has to speak three languages in this show. She speaks German, oh English and French and does and just sort of interchanges them all in the middle of a monologue. And it's uh, it's an acting lesson. But the plot is really weird because the plot they were trying to get you to connect to. They didn't give you enough information for it. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, there, okay, it's definitely, Yeah, yeah,
2: but I'm going to see it. I love Kate Blanchett. Yeah, yeah no,
1: you, you, you'll, you'll enjoy it. I'm not sure. Okay. The movie, the, it, it reminds me kind of like of the triangle of sadness where you're, you get to the end and you're, and you're just wondering, why is this a movie? And it was <laughs> intensely disturbing. And mm. I sat through all of it just so I, I would know that I had. But there's some odd choices this year. You know, like best picture seems to be most distressing picture.
0: Mm-hmm the music and that was worth what about, uh,
2: what about everything everywhere all that I work? watched Is it that for 20 crazy? minutes
0: and almost Shot myself <laughs> that's as far as you could get I, I couldn't figure out what it was I don't get those fourth dimension movies like the Christopher Nolan movies Where you have to you know, like you're thinking and it's like three-dimensional chess. I can't do that I just can't do it. And that's what that movie was to me. So I, some okay. people loved it. I didn't love it
1: I haven't attempted it yet, but I may what about avatar avatars up for
0: best picture, right? avatar oh. i don't know uh,
2: uh to me the mystery of the year is uh the banshees of Inish. oh oh yes. wow yes now that's Great another acting.
1: disturbing movie See, yeah this is that's this year's theme
0: that was some uh, class a acting in there though wasn't it i is, couldn't I, you know
1: is it a I, metaphor what what
2: mm-hmm. is it i i don't know what it is i i just i was disturbed
0: um, I read a review and, and uh, uh, Martin McDonough said that it was a metaphor for the Troubles in Northern Ireland. It right. was those two fighting. They were well, right.
2: okay. I like Kenneth Branagh's movie from beginning to oh, end absolutely. about the Troubles. Oh, uh, absolutely. Okay? Yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely. That was okay? Yeah.
2: But this thing, you know, I, I try to last through it because I, I, I love both those actors. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when the guy cuts off his finger, they said, "That's it." I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I know. No,
0: uh, get I, I my, get, get it. me at it. Yeah, I got
1: it. Right, like I, like I, as soon as he threatens to, I knew that, like, I know enough about screenwriting to know he's going to, or he wouldn't have made that threat as part of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And so then mm-hmm. once once that starts happening, you're you're just like, do I hang on so, or just do so I watch it like? What this? What he was saying
2: was, yeah. So what he was saying was, it's not a metaphor. For me to cut off my finger, I actually, <laughs> actually, you know, I'm I'm not being figured. It. I'm literally going to cut my finger off. Right. It's like okay. it's Welcome like. Welcome to Act Two of the Banshees. He so could done, have just whatever. cut
1: off his nose to spite his face, but this was more creative than yeah. that.
0: Right. Or he could have uh,
2: dated Lorena Bobbitt.
0: You know. Hello. <laughs> what do you like on Broadway, Rich? What's who's, who's, who's talking about what on Broadway that's big?
2: Uh, What do I like on Broadway? Well, um, call me crazy. I like Funny Girl.
0: Yay! Mm. How's that girl? She had a tough situation coming into that lead part, right? Yeah,
2: he, she did. But I, I saw the understudy with whom I did uh, Waitress. Oh. oh. She played Dawn and Waitress. Effie Artemis, she's like, fantastic. Don't rain on my parade. <laughs> so, That's great, Richie. I don't know what happened. Just got
1: he it. just bursted a song, is what happened. That
2: yes. Well, so I'll tell you, my it. friend.
0: I've been looking forward to talking to you. Uh, you're a you're a very important person in my life, and I say again publicly, thank you for everything you helped me with.
2: Fritz, I am so glad we uh, our cro- our paths crossed. Seriously, you're you're a wonderful human being, superly so really talented, and uh, Weezy, I don't know how you put up.
1: Well, thanks for your support. It
0: helps. You have a spectacular. Beautiful and supportive wife, Beverly, that I love. And you have a very talented daughter, Colby, who went to Northwestern yes. as well. Now, when she went to Northwestern, they named the theater where you worked the Gary Marshall Theater, right? It Was it named the Gary Marshall Theater? That's right. When you were there? That's right. Yeah.
2: And and you and I, uh, we worked at the Gary yes, Marshall Yes, I did. mm mm-hmm. Yep. what's it called? The Fort. Not the, the Falcon. Well, then when he died, he ch- they changed it. The Falcon. It.
0: They, when he died, they changed it. The Falcon oh. was the name of the softball team he started in Brooklyn. It was. And his then gang. when he died, they char they changed it to the Gary Marshall Theater, and they okay. went nonprofit, and uh, now they're doing nonprofit shows. I don't know how successful they are. Uh, I'm, okay. I, you know, so Kathleen, his daughter, is is uh, the lead in that. I don't know what's going on. Well, Fritz, I
1: would love to know, who are we helping help?
0: We're we're helping a great organization called the Shelter Partnership.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Full disclosure, I'm on the board of this organization, Mm -hmm. but um, people need to know about this. Anybody who lives in Southern California would love to know that they could be of help in the homeless crisis. It affects every neighborhood, every walk of life. You can help. I'd love you to Google Shelter Partnership or go to shelterpartnership.org. I've been involved with them for 30 years. They're an organization that was designed to work, throughout L.A. County to help develop housing and resources for the homeless. They operate the S. Mark Taper Forum Resource Bank. It's a huge warehouse where we take in large donations of non-perishable goods and distribute them to over 250 homeless shelters in the Los Angeles area. It's wonderful. We deliver them uh, from our warehouse to their house, depending on their needs. It's a very empowering feeling to know that you're doing a little something to ease the insane home crisis in our community. You can learn more about us, or more importantly, maybe make a donation to help us continue our work at shelterpartnership.org. Thank you for your attention.
1: That sounds wonderful. And uh, first yeah. of all, you go to Richie's acting class, Richard Klein TV. It's richardklein.tv.com. We'll- no, it's richardklein.tv. Richard uh, uh, <laughs> TV. D- d-
2: richardklein.tv.
1: Yeah, very TV, and we'll have all of that the that link and everything else that you need to know about this program in our show notes. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We would love to continue this conversation with you on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at Media Path Pod, and on Facebook, where our show page is Media Path Podcast, and our Facebook group is called Media Path with Fritz and Wheezy Podcast Community. You can find full video podcast episodes loaded with all kinds of wonderful bonus visual content on our YouTube channel, Media Path Podcast. You can write to us at podcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this show, please give us a nice rating in Apple Podcasts and talk about us favorably, if you wouldn't mind, on social media. You can sign up for our saucy rag of a newsletter at mediapathpodcast.com. We want to thank our wonderful guest and friend, Richard Klein. Our team includes Dina Friedman, John Maddox, Sharon Bellio, Bill Filipiak, Thomas Hubble, Mason Brown, Garrett Arch, and you, Our theme music is by me and John Maddox. I am Louise Palenker here with Fritz Coleman and Richard Klein. Be well and wise, and we will see you along the media path. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. So so good. Love you too, brother. Stay right there
0: because we're going to stand up.